The following episode of the Andrew Frost Podcast is actually a reflection. I'm going to reflect on some of the episodes and some of the emerging themes that have come from it. And the first theme is love self. Kaylee Means, the first person I recorded for this podcast, talked about loving yourself. And she, but she talks about it from a perspective of when she was a younger uh, a girl where she was struggling with identity and liking herself, but also comparing herself from a kind of a social media perspective, which is an emerging technology that has confused a lot of kids. And then Clark Roberts, my last recording, who's part of Ultimate Vision, he talks about loving yourself from a perspective of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And he also refers to biblically the idea that when Jesus says, hey, love your enemy as I have loved you. And I thought about that whole idea of, hey, if, if, you, if you can't love your neighbor like you love yourself, what happens if you don't love yourself? If you, if you can't love your enemy, because this is a hard idea to wrap your mind around, how can you love yourself? So I started thinking about this whole notion about loving your enemy. And that is a hard idea. We all have people who in our lives that push our buttons, people who make it difficult to think well of them, let alone love them. And we're commanded to love our enemy. How do we do that? That was a hard thing for me to think about. And I thought, you know, we need to wrap our mind around that a little bit more as a society. So I decided to do some research and I found this beautiful website called rethinknow.org. And they look at Jesus, Bible and church as a perspective. And one of the topics that they had published was this idea of How do you love your enemy? They come up with six ideas about loving your enemy. So the first idea on how to love your enemy is pray for them. When you pray for your enemy or pray for someone that you're not getting along with, you bring Jesus into the equation and you elevate this notion that, hey, I need help in this. And asking God to intervene, to reduce my bitterness, reduce my frustration, and help me navigate loving this person. And praying, when we don't pray for our enemy, we keep God out of that in our own mind. And then practice empathy is number two. Can we really see ourselves understanding their perspective? Can we walk in their shoes? Can we Do we even know what's going on with that person? It could be that maybe they they got a kid who's on drugs, or maybe they've got a, they're going through a divorce, or maybe they got financial issues, or maybe they've got a death looming in the family. If you are empathetic and understand, you can give them grace, and you can actually be around to help figure out, how can I help them? And it could be just be kind. Be present. Help them in uh, maybe they're at work. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. The third idea is find 
common ground. Now, finding common ground requires you to, hey, we're not going to focus on our differences. We're going to focus on what we agree upon. So imagine two friends who have different perspectives of politics, and the only thing they talk about is are those different perspectives. Well, instead of focusing on the differences, let's focus on what we agree upon, what we both can agree upon, and have conversations about that. That common ground will lead to more meaningful conversations as well as community and relationship. The fourth idea is to forgive. Now, forgiving a person who's wronged you is hard sometimes. I remember as a kid, I was teased relentlessly because I sounded different, looked different due to being born with a cleft lip palate. And when I say cleft lip palate, I had a crooked nose. I had, my speech was terrible. And this one particular guy teased me relentlessly. And I held on this bitterness for years. And then one, <laughs> one day, I'm in early in my teaching career, I find out that he is going to be student teaching in the building I'm in. I thought, no, are you serious? I was so upset. I was kind of mad. That bitterness came back, but then I thought, you know what? Kill him with kindness. So I did. But more importantly, within a couple of weeks, he came up to me. He, he apologized. I'm so sorry I teased you, and I want to let you know that I feel bad about that. And I accepted that uh, apology. I forgave him, and I told him, I even told him, thank you for saying that because I really wanted to get that out. <laughs> and I'm glad that he's the one who brought it up. And that forgiveness was freeing for me. So in my mind, I forgave a lot of people who teased me, who made it difficult for me to enjoy being in elementary school and, and being in middle school, kind of being almost like forgotten. And, um, but that forgiveness is huge. Now, Someone who does something, I mean, this guy was teasing me and calling me names and making fun of, at my expense, and I can get over that, and it's not a big deal. But if if someone does something like abuse you or neglect, and I'm not saying to bring them back in your life, that's not the definition of forgiveness. Forgiving them allows you to no longer hold it against them and carry a burden with you forever because i know a lot of people where they were abused and they held it against that person it's like hey forgive them that does not mean you let them back in your life but it also means you do not hold this this um, anchor around your neck because that is not living a full life imagine the amount of wasted time when you haven't forgiven someone and you allow that anchor to just drag you down. The fifth idea is per, to pursue unity. So, kind of like finding common ground, but the whole idea about pursuing unity is what unites us. Can we focus on that? Can we bring that in our communities? Can we bring that in our neighborhoods? The best illustration I have in my mind is a community that has two high schools. Two high schools with sports where they compete. And in Gig Harbor, there's two high schools. And everyone knows there's a little bit of love lost amongst both high schools. 
And I find it frustrating because they point, oh, they get that, we don't get that. There's comparisons, there's anger, there's hostility. Happens in college rivalries. And rivalry is good. I, I think athletic rivalries are fun. It leads to better competition. But when it comes to pointing fingers and, and being upset with one another, that unity is lost. Imagine if these two high schools can say, hey, let's be united. Let's be focused on being one community. Yeah, we'll have fun competing, but we're not going to be hostile towards one another, blaming one another. We can be one community, elevating everyone. And the last one that they bring up is be patient. This process of loving your enemy takes time. You don't do one prayer. <laughs> I, I do one prayer and all of a sudden it's like, hey, it's all fixed. No. Be patient. Take time. Be mindful of it. But also be intentional. Because the idea of praying for your your enemy or, or someone who's pushing your buttons, practicing empathy, finding a common goal, uh, a common ground, uh, forgiving, pursuing unity. Imagine what that looks like as a community. It requires patience for it all to happen. Then there's one more that they didn't bring up, but I thought, you know, I think it's important. Confess your own wrongdoing. I, I added that because I believe that Part of having this frustration with another person is, could it be our responsibility to? Not everyone, but let's say I was horrible to someone. And the following day, I walk in and act like nothing happened. And everyone's like, oh, you're such a jerk yesterday, but today you think it's all good? We didn't hear an apology. We didn't hear you admit that you're wrong. And therefore, that's going to only weigh in on this idea of tension within your house, tension within your neighborhood, organization, workplace. So confess when you made a mistake. I think it's really important to do because if you don't confess to your own wrongdoing, then you are actually part of the problem. And you might be walking away going, these people are mean to me. <laughs> They're jerks. Well, maybe you started. So confess. And the moment you do, you have better uh, relationships. I happened to run into a uh, former student who he looked amazing. And what I say amazing is because I knew him when he was riddled with drugs and he looked terrible. And I was like, oh no. And He'd made some poor decisions, and I had to uh, deal with it. But also knew that that led to a really challenging moment bet between us. And I would see him once in a while. And so the other day, I saw him, and he looked awesome. I saw him mentoring a young couple, and, and I thought, dang it, this kid's doing it well. So I, I told him, I, I'm like, hey, you look great. I'm so proud of you. And he was like, thank you. And I can tell there was a, a relief because he probably wondered, did I judge him? Did I mistreat him? But ultimately, this kid's got it together. And I was so proud of him. And I know that his family has to be proud of him as well. I believe that 
when we practice this idea of praying for other people, people we love, people we don't, experience um, empathy, finding common ground, forgiving, pursuing unity, being patient, but also confessing when we're wrong. Imagine the community that we're going to be, be able to build. Imagine the homes we're going to have. Imagine the mentoring we'll have within our own, our kids and the people we work with. I think that is part of loving yourself. Because if you can't love other people, how can you love yourself? If you can't forgive and you live with this edge of holding other people responsible, love goes away. So find love, seek it, understand it. Because ultimately, you're worth it. So thank you for listening and make it a glorious day.